Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Hello, everyone. Hello, listener. Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgothorpe with you. This is EPL Insights for Game Week 25 of the Premier League season with data provided by InfoGoal. Another week, another slate of games. Two fewer this week for your listening and viewing pleasure. Just eight on the schedule as it's Carabao Cup final, the first trophy of the season. The Shield, we're not going to go there. So the first real <laughs> trophy is going to be presented this weekend. Will it be Manchester United? Will it be Newcastle? Uh, we'll share some thoughts on that a little bit later on as well. Um, congrats on another profitable week for you, Jake. I'm going to call you Mr. Perfect because 2023 <laughs> has been a very good one for you. It's going to have to be a big bounce back week for your boy over here because last week was an absolute destruction. I think I was had a little bit too much swagger. I've been doing a little bit too well, and I gave a lot back to the bank on the weekend. But in fairness, if you look at the results that actually played out last weekend, a lot of plus numbers, a lot of unexpected results. Arsenal at one point in their victory over Aston Villa, they touched plus 390 at halftime while they were down 2-1 in that game. Uh, two goals beyond the 90 to win that game for two Southampton beat Chelsea. They do the double against Chelsea. They closed at plus 725. The Forest City draw, it played at plus 440 on Pinnacle. Uh, Fulham closed at plus 539 to be bright. That number sounds a little big to me, but 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 still um, good on all the Fulham backers out there as they continue to push for a potential European spot. And Bournemouth beat Wolves. Again, a big number. It closed at plus 401 on Pinnacle as well. Do any of those results stand out to you? Or was there something else that played out last weekend uh, that really caught your attention more than anything else? Um. No, it was just th- those results you, you mentioned and just the fact that they were all unjust according to the underlying data. Um, you know, you've got Brighton who racked up nearly three expected goals against Fulham. So they were just banging on the door and just couldn't put the ball in the net. It was a vintage Brighton performance and not something we've seen very often um, under De Zerbe. Same for pain, pain, Painful to watch, Jake, uh, being someone who was on the over in that game, just watching the oh, way that yeah, game yeah. played out. It was, it was painful. Same thing goes for, for, for City, Nottingham Forest. It's, it's just oh, yeah. everything that you saw suggested that game was going to go to the over. And the fact that it ended under both those games really cost me. Yeah, well, City went over three expected goals. They had an abundance of chances. I mean, early Harlan missed twice from six yards, which is... Very unlike him. And that, that would have probably seen the overs click and also a City win because I think it was 1-0 at that stage. Um, and yeah, same with Chelsea, who obviously a bit of a laugh, laughing stock at the moment, but the performances are improving from a data standpoint. They've just been a little bit unlucky. Um, and the, the XG curse is kind of following Potter from Brighton to Chelsea. His team are really struggling to put the ball in the net despite creating chances. So one to keep an eye on, Chelsea. Um, I've just been reading that they're having some crisis talks within the club. Today, um, uh, director of football and, and Graham Potter. So it could be if he loses to Spurs at the weekend, that might be him done. Yeah, I, I'm actually surprised he's lasted this long. Different owner. Uh, is there going to be another change of manager picking up that? I think dating back to the early 2000s, they've changed their manager 17 or 18 times. It's just 
an absolute ridiculous number. Uh, I will say two shields available still. Well, and he wanted new players, and that's something that yeah. certainly Chelsea has has, has, has brought to the club. Uh, I will say this, the Southampton on the spread was one of the few positive plays on the weekend. But the, the great news is that we're back with Champions League football. And it was a big Tuesday for you, Jake. It was a big Tuesday for myself. Two fat underdogs away from home uh, playing against teams that were inferior to them. And whatever you lost on the weekend, well, whatever I lost on the weekend, I won it all back. And then some backing Real Madrid and Napoli on Tuesday. Go on, Real Madrid. 5-2. I mean, this just kind of picks up where where we leave off every week based on defensive processes or lack thereof of Liverpool, which continues to just simply punish this team. A team that creates plenty of chances, Jake. They had a better XG than Real Madrid in that game. They just can't simply can't keep the ball out of the back of their own net. Yeah, they, they just they are masters of their own downfall, aren't they? I mean, they're 2-1 up, and Alice, all Alisson has to do is just kick the ball out of play, um, and he kicks it into Vinicius, and you go in at halftime 2-2, and, and it's a completely different team talk, completely different game, and just simple mistakes like the... The, the goal for the third goal of the defensive line was just, it was just too straight. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they were yes. all stood in one line on the six yard box, split into two lines. So you at least cover the majority of the space. Um, and then, yeah, it was just, you know, like the, the fifth goal was kind of, kind of just encapsulated everything like that's wrong with Liverpool right now. I mean, Modric, who's 37 year old, is bursting past players. I mean, it's a Champions League knockout game. Just bring him down. Like 4-2, you've still got a chance. 5-2, it seems like too much. And he's run past two players. Neither of them decided to rugby tackle him or, or do what we saw. I don't know if you saw the clip. Uh, I think it's Sunderland-Millwall at the weekend. Millwall <laughs> players break in. The Sunderland guy literally jumps on his back for a piggyback. Yeah. It's brilliant. I definitely would recommend looking at uh, Not enough fireworks. The Anfield uh, <laughs> fear factor. They tried. Not there. Um, just one other thing quickly. Um in a season where we've documented on this podcast, it's been over-friendly. There was a lot of goals the first half of the season. Even coming out of the World Cup break, still a lot of goals are being scored. The over, generally a good play. Last week, only one game went over two and a half in terms of the total. And I've noticed this week on Pinnacle, I don't know if there's been an adjustment or something that you've noticed, but a lot of those totals of two and a half have gone down to two and a quarter in terms of being the bar. Um, have you noticed the market correction? Have you noticed any trends uh, in terms of game totals? Um, it just seemed a bit of an overreaction this week to what happened last week, um, for sure. Uh, there are some matchups this week that you will look at and you would generally think will be tight affairs, you know, the likes of West Ham Forest or, um, you know, even Everton Villa. But to see all of them generally down, is a little bit of a surprise. I think we can definitely squeak out some value on the overs um, this weekend if if you wanted to, um, really. I, I think we are we are at this stage of the season where teams are coming off a very congested January and February. They played a lot of football, so would you know? I wouldn't be at all surprised if if the kind of goal, uh, the lack of goals, maybe continues for a few more weeks until the international break, mm. when players then can have a little bit of a rest because you know since Boxing Day, which is less than two months ago, like teams have played 13 matches, which is just an obscene number of games to kind of squeeze in. So there is some tiredness aspects coming in. And generally, you know, when you're tired, when you are more tired, you make more mistakes, which obviously the managers will look at that and think, well, how can we stop making mistakes? Just be a little bit more cautious in our approach. So 
all those things do come into it. But I do think the lines have moved a little bit too much um, to the point where, in a couple of cases, there is some value in, in backing the overs, and I'm sure we'll touch on a few. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I have one game circled, and and we'll see how it how how it plays out. I hope it's not out. Fulham again. I, I, hope, I, I hope you've I, given up with Fulham now. <laughs> look, like you know me too well. Okay, you know me too well. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. When we get to that game, uh, I should slide in one more um, notable fact as our agenda keeps on growing, as it seemingly does on a weekly basis. Uh, after last week's games, Arsenal back atop the table. For futures play uh, plays on pinnacle to go on and win the title. Arsenal's still a plus number, plus one ten. City have moved to minus one ten, and it's worth a mention. Manchester United, aside who last week you derided plus eighteen hundred needs to be what you said plus four thousand, plus five thousand to be in that range. Well, the fine people at Pinnacle, the market, are listening to your boy Wheels. Uh, the price has shrunk. It's gone down to plus 1,200 based upon their win last week. And I guess City dropping points at Forest. What do you make of that? Um, yeah, it's, it's still too short. Um, I agree that the price should have dropped after last week because obviously City were the favourite. City dropped points, um, but not to that kind of territory. Like If, if we had it at plus... 5,000 plus 6,000 last week, I'd probably expect it to be maybe plus 4,500 at best this week. Um, yeah, it, it, the, the thing we, we have to kind of factor in is that this Man United team over the course of the season, the body of work is just not as good as what Arsenal and, and City have put up from an underlying numbers perspective, which is obviously how we calculate these kind of things. Um, so over a longer period of time, their rating is lower than Arsenal and Manchester City, which means that they're expected to accumulate fewer points from now to the end of the season um, which obviously means that there's a reduced chance of them winning the title but as with everything the bookies don't take any chances they'll offer you a shorter price than what should be the case because you know they've got to get keep their margins nice and fat right right um i don't like is that united play to win the title as much as i did last week but still it might be still in the wheeler range we'll, we'll put it that way so <laughs> Um, they need a trophy in tow first, and we'll get into that game. Yeah. So let's get to this week's feature five. And like your friend and mine, Drake, let's start right at the bottom. <laughs> and <laughs> of course, we always thought it was going to be Gracia v. Celis in terms of the managerial matchup for a game like this in mid-February in the Premier League. But that's what we are. It's 19th place Leeds hosted 20th place Southampton. Leeds coming off a 1-0 loss at Everton. Um, lost the XG battle in that game as well. No wins in four, no clean sheets in five for Leeds United. And they've scored in just one of their last five Premier League games. They did announce they finally have a manager. Having uh, Gracia, the former Watford manager, has been hired. We'll get Jake's thoughts on that in a moment. Leeds are three, four, and four at Ellen Road on the season. 15 goals scored, 16 against. Their last home win came on November 5th against Bournemouth. It's been that long. Rodrigo remains out, and he scored twice the last time that these two teams played. Max Wolber is out, it seems, looks like. The center back has been very good, one of the few bright spots in this Leeds United team. So a dire situation at the back can get that much more complicated for a team lacking true options. For Southampton, coming off that 1-0 win against Chelsea, they do the double against them. James Ward-Prowse, can we show some respect to this guy? Another free kick goal. He is 17. He's one behind David Beckham 
for the all-time Premier League lead in direct free-kick goals. What an unbelievable statistic. Ruben Sellis got off to a winning start. Ralph Hasenhutl's former number two. Perhaps that's a good thing that there's a little bit more Ralph or Hasenhutl influence in this team because, simply put, uh, without him under Nathan Jones, this team was lost. They've gone over in four of the last five games, 4-0-8 away from home. They're actually tied for ninth. Southampton in away points on the season. 12 of their 18 points have come away from home. So that hasn't been the problem. And only six teams have a worse expected goal differential than Southampton. Head to head, they played to a 2-2 draw. In that game, the XG was 1.48 to 1.87. Southampton hasn't lost to Leeds in their last three. Leeds United, no clean sheet in their last three against Southampton. And Leeds have been the first to score in five of six. Plus 104. For a home win for Leeds, plus 260 on the draw, plus 292 for a Southampton away victory. I'm not sure where you want to start. Your thoughts on Gracia being named as Leeds United manager or whether there's a play in this game that stands out to you. Um, yeah, there, there isn't a play that stands out to me. I think there's there's too many variables for me to kind of pull the trigger on a bet. Um, I think Grassi is a decent appointment, decent enough appointment. He's got good Premier League experience. Um, during his spell at Watford, he actually got them performing like a top half team based on the underlying data. So there is promise there. Um, but I still come back to the fact that they should never have sacked Jesse Marsh. Um, <laughs> you know, however, like people view him, he got backed in the January window and had one game to work with the players that they'd signed, which is just a ridiculous kind of business model. Um, and then you look at the results, you know, the drawn with Man United away, fair enough, but then they've lost and then lost to, to Everton and relegation. Would Jesse Marsh have got much worse results than that? Probably not. And he'd have had players that he'd brought in to play in his system getting up to speed. So, yeah, that that just is a bizarre one for me. And and I think it's the same with Southampton. You mentioned it there, the the fact that Sellers is in there now. Hootel's number two. Why did they bother sacking Harsenhutl? Yeah, Like, you know, he, he was... Arguably Agreed. the most important man in that building at St Mary's. He's way better than what Southampton currently are. He's a, a manager that would probably get a job, uh, you know, one of the top, maybe top eight, top 10 teams. Um, and yeah, like, again, they brought in all those young players, which is the kind of squad that Arsenal likes to mould and build, improve players, um, and then sack him after, what was it, 10, 12 games. Um, so yeah, really bizarre decisions. Um especially in, in a season that is so long. And especially when you think about Southampton, they sacked him a game before the World Cup break, which is just bizarre. Like, the game before the World Cup break was away at Liverpool. Like, you're going to lose that either way, no matter who's in charge, usually. And then you've got a World Cup break where no players are going to the World Cup anyway. You can just work with the players. So anyway, that's my rant over. I think both teams were stupid to get rid of the managers. Yeah. Um, both both are going to be fighting an uphill battle. The, the, the date is... Doesn't show very well on either. Um, yeah, uh, like the Southampton win at Chelsea was a bolt out of the blue, wasn't it? That was really unexpected. Um, conceded loads of chances, rode the luck at times. Can they do the same? I mean, the price is pretty big. Um, to avoid defeat looks interesting. But plus, yeah. uh, you know, the half half a goal head start. Um, but then, you know, what we're going to get from from Leeds? Grassi has had what three days to work with the team. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of those, those are the reasons why I've, I've got no bet here. It's just I just think there's too many, too many unquantifiable things uh, at this early stage. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to leave that alone. I don't know if you have a, an opinion or a, well, a bet I, 
I do. And I have your voice in my head saying there's no such thing as a new manager bounce. And if there's no such thing as a new manager bounce, then there's no way I can bet on leads in this game. <laughs> they're, they're, they're an absolute mess at the back. They concede poor goals. They're unreliable. Their best center back, their best addition during the season is now out. Rodrigo, their most reliable you know, source of goals, he's out. Why wouldn't I back Southampton with a half goal head start in this game? It's Southampton on the spread plus half a goal at minus 112. That's a playable number for me. Southampton are dreadful at home. There's no home field advantage. St. Mary's is stale. The team doesn't play with any confidence. But what they've proven is they can go places and score goals against bad teams. They can score goals against pretty good teams as well. It's conceding them that's a little bit more of a problem for this group. But um, there's not much to separate these sides. Southampton haven't lost to them in their last three games. I, I think that Sellis is more of a solution than Gracia is. So let's go with Southampton. Just come away with a draw. You win in this game. That's good enough for me. I, I think they're actually player for player. They're just as good or even better than Leeds United. So let's go with that. Southampton on the spread. An official play, Jake. Full play. An official play. Yeah. Nah. You've, you've gone I might both. not have many yeah. on this podcast, but this is actually one of them I quite like. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Back-to-back away games. So and I said their waveform hasn't been the problem. It's been at home, which has been the significant issue. So uh, could we see another managerial change based on the outcome of this next game? It's 18th place West Ham against 13th place Nottingham Forest. I love how in our feature games, we've got the 20th, 19th, and 18th place teams right out of the gate. Uh, it's West Ham United coming off at like – did you watch the game against Spurs? It was dreadful. 2-0. They brought nothing to the table, Jake. And yeah, West Ham disappointed. properly into the relegation zone. The uh, 1.40 XG. The most disappointing thing is West Ham just had a 0.43 XG in the game when they're supposed to be chasing it. I guess the team that oftentimes has defensive liabilities. West Ham, no wins or clean sheets in their last three. They've gone under the two and a half goal total in seven of seven. I mean, clear reason why this team is where they are. They only have picked up six points away from home on the season as well. Um, gee, like at, at home, West Ham are a better side. Four, two, and five on the season. 12 goals scored, 13 against. 16.1 XG uh, to 13.8 expected goals against, according to InfoGoal. Paqueta and Zuma remain doubts for this game. And those are two significant players that they could be missing yet again. We'll see on that. Make sure you monitor it before any play heading into the weekend. Or if you're waiting to make your play. Um, Forrest coming off that 1-1 draw with Man City. Chris Wood gets in. 84th minute equalizer. Uh, City had over three in terms of XG. Forrest at 0.85. They look pretty decent in the second half. They really grew into the game, and the really good home form for Nottingham Forest continues. They've only lost one game in their last seven overall, and they actually had the ninth most points at home. Problem is, going away from home, they're a nightmare. Six points is joint worst. Under two and a half is cashed in seven of eight, and they've been the first concede in five of six. As I mentioned, one, three, and seven away from home. Get this, three goals, swore, uh, goals scored, 25 goals conceded, and the 10.4 expected goals in 12 games is the worst in the Premier League. Head-to-head, Forrest beat West Ham 1-0 earlier this season. It was a game where the XG was 2.19 to 2.65 in that game, but only one goal scored. West Ham hasn't had a clean sheet in five against Forrest, and over the two and a half goals has played in four of their last five meetings. Uh, what do you make of this one? 
Um, is David Moyes out if they don't come out, come away with the results? I mean, they have to come away with a result, don't they? Forrest at home? Like, Jesse Marsh lost his job losing to Forrest away, which is proving to be a difficult task. But Forrest home, you'd have to think that West Ham need to be the significant favorite in this game. Yeah, it does, it does feel very much must win. Um, fortunately for West Ham, they've kind of made light work of these kind of home matches throughout the season. You know, just flip through the record, even going back to the very start of the season, you know, teams that are down there, they beat Wolves 2-0 quite comfortably, uh, beat Bournemouth 2-0 quite comfortably. Um, who else? We've got Everton a couple of weeks ago, they beat them quite comfortably. So they're the three teams that they've played at home that are in and around them and they've they've beat them very comfortably, 2-0 um, successes across the board. So, you know, they'll be fancying the chances and that that number of minus 125 does appeal when you factor in Forest's bad home form. And, you know, I, I've said to you, haven't I, for probably the last month, month and a half, Forest are better than you expect um, to kind of knock back against them. I know they've caught you out a few times, haven't they? But away at Southampton being one that springs to mind. Um, and that, that's my nagging doubt. I think that they are a team that are in the up. They're a team that are improving because they've got a good coach and they've got really good players. And yes, they signed a hell of a lot of players, but <laughs> we're now six months down the line and all those players have started to gel and they've started to understand what's required of them. And, and that's why we're starting to see them pick up more points on a regular basis. And, and ultimately, that's why I think they'll, they'll, they'll stay up this season. That, for me, is the main reason why I can't back West Ham. Um, I was looking at the goal line in this, uh, maybe taking the unders. Under two and a half at minus 135 was something that did appeal to me. Um, but yeah, the, the way in which particularly... You know what? I'm going to make that play. I'm going to make that play. I'm going to take the under two and a half goals uh, at minus 135. It might be a little bit short for some. and I just think it's better than taking um, a slightly bigger price at minus 102 for the uh, two and a quarter. I'm much happy, happier to just say, give me a full win if there's only two goals. Um, yeah, West Ham at home, have, you know, they've been good from a process standpoint. They've, they've got an, a positive expected goal difference. Forest will turn up and try and make things difficult. Like They're not a team that go toe-to-toe when they're away from home. They, they will sit in and look to counter-attack. Um, and I think there's going to be a, it's a bit of a scrappy game. It's a relegation six-pointer, if you like. Um, and West Ham's defence is really good. Like the, the data on the defensive side is really positive. It's kind of top-half level when you look at the underlying data. It's just the attack that's letting them down, um, ultimately. So basically what's going to happen in this game is that West Ham are probably going to keep a clean sheet, and it's just a case of can they get a goal? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take the under two and a half. I think it's a bet that's landed in in nearly all of West Ham's matches since the restart. If not, it has landed in all of them. Um, all bar leads in the last seven. So um, yeah, it's it's they're they're a very tight team. West Ham they don't give up many chances. And I think they'll only get tighter as their you know as the season progresses, and if they continue to be in that bottom three, they're going to be in firefighting duty, which is Try and keep a clean sheet and nick a goal. Well, some people would call David Moyes gutless. The fact that he'll play nine defensive players and just two attacking players. Other people would call him smart. Like this is the way that they play, like counterattacking football, um, play it safe. You know, they do have some good players in attack. There's just an over-reliance on them and there's nowhere near enough support. But look at some of those games that you said playing at home. West Ham two, Wolves nil. West Ham 2, Bournemouth nil. I think it was West Ham 2, Everton nil. 
like two nil across the board. So I, I don't like playing the under when it's two and a quarter for, for me, just a half wit. It's just, there's not enough in it, especially at a minus number. So let's swing a little bit bigger here. West Ham win to nil because I, I put Nottingham Forest in the same category as those aforementioned teams. West Ham win to nil at plus 185. Um, whether it's a 1-0, nice, a 2-0, nice um, that was the best value I could find in making this play because I can't see West Ham losing this, this game. I'm still dead set on fading Nottingham Forest, especially away from home. But you're right, the, the number for the total and the West Ham outright – not good enough to fully entice me. When you add a little bit more juice, then I can get involved in this. So uh, West Ham went to nil at plus 185. Yeah, I, I can see you kind of, um, yeah, you kind of split the baby of what I was talking about is leaning towards yeah. West Ham and taking the unders. Um, and I, I do think that the, the West Ham will have a great chance of keeping a clean sheet. It's just a case of can they score? Um, so yeah, there's definitely a, a case we made for your, for your bet there. Um, I'm, as I've said this numerous times, a bit more of a cautious punter. And if if I think West Ham are going to keep a clean sheet, I think the value definitely is with the unders. Just because I can't see West Ham scoring three, basically. Um, so you know that that that's where I've gone. So yeah, I, I didn't have a play down before we started recording, and I've talked myself into one there. So um, yeah, I like. <laughs> well, it. well, you know, it, it, watch David Moyes goes completely off script. In comes like Lanzini and Ings and Skamaka, <laughs> and he actually plays attacking players. It was just absolute dog's breakfast at Spurs. And oftentimes, that's the last thing that you see, and that there's a reaction. I don't know. May, may, maybe they he, he takes a little bit more risk based on the context of playing it at home. I guess the team that. They're looking up at saying, how is this team ahead of us in the table? So, um, yeah, West Ham went to nil at plus 25, and, and you have a bet as well uh, in terms of the under two and a half goals. Uh, let's move things forward. Uh, 14th place Leicester City. Welcome the league leaders, Arsenal, to the king power this weekend. Leicester City coming off a 3-0 loss at Manchester United after they'd won back-to-back games, scoring four goals in each coming into that one. The XG in the game was wild because United had a 4.22 to Leicester City's 1.56 on info goal. So plenty of chances created. Uh, no clean sheet in their last three for Leicester City. Their team has gone over the goal total of two and a half and four or five, and they've been the first to concede in six of their last seven games. Three, three, and five at home. Uh, they do have the lowest at home expected goals, according to info goal of any team in the Premier League. It should be noted that this is the healthiest that they've been all season as well, but they're also looking ahead to a fifth-round FA Cup game against Blackburn on Tuesday. Arsenal came from behind twice to beat Aston Villa 4-2, dominant in the XG, 0.36 to 3.41 in that game. They snapped a streak of no wins in four. Uh, Thomas Party didn't play, but Saka has been great goals in back-to-back games. Arsenal have been picked up a clean sheet in their last six, and they've been the first conceded five of six, which which is a significant surprise considering how good they've been defensively on the balance of the season. They still have the best away record, 9-1-2 and two on the season, seven more away points than anyone, 24 goals and nine against. Um this this team just continues to be effective away from home. Head-to-head, they beat Leicester City 
at the Emirates. 4-2 was the final. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, remember him? Uh, he's still out. He scored a brace in that game, and they crushed Leicester City 3.15 to 0.71 in the XG in that game. Arsenal have won four straight games, and they've scored more than two goals against Leicester City in each and every one of the wins. Despite that, the total in these games have gone under two and a half in six of eight, and Arsenal being first to score in five of seven in the first half winner in four of five. Um, Leicester City still creating chances. It's defensively, they look a little bit of a mess. Still, they, they got beat away from home against a very good Manchester United side. So how do you look at this game considering they're going back home, a place where they played a lot better, especially in terms of their chance creation against a team in Arsenal who all of a sudden are shipping goals? It's a difficult one for me to call. Perhaps you have a more clear view than I do. Yeah, I'm fully expecting Arsenal to win this. Um, yeah, 100%. I think the, the price is just a little bit 100%. short. 100%. 100%. No, obviously, that, that, that's, my, that's my opinion, obviously, not 100%. Bookies suggest a 57% chance. Um, I'd probably make it a little bit bigger than that. Um, yeah, I think that this, you know, Arsenal... They got over the hump last week, shall we say. There was a little bit of bad feeling around the fact that they did, you know, was it four games without a win across all competitions? They managed to shake that off, off the back and, you know, they had an even bigger bonus that Man City dropped points. So they got that lead back at the top and, you know, still got the game in hand. Um, but it was actually the, you know, they, they, they conceded twice at Villa from 0.36 expected goals. So they were really unfortunate to concede twice. Um, and at the other end, they... Well, 3.4 expected goals. It was like the Alamo. It was just, you know, there's so many attempts to, that were to being taken. Um, yeah, I, I, ultimately, you've got a team in Arsenal that create loads of chances. And, and it's something that's not really dropped off during this little, you know, streak that they've had. They, they racked up nearly 1.9 XG against Man City um, at Brentford, 1.4 XG. So, we, we you know, it's, it's starting to ramp back up again. Um, and, yeah, Leicester were kind of... They were really good for 30 minutes against Man United and they should have been probably 2-0 in front. David De Gea made two worldy saves. Um, I think the XG at that point was something like 0.2 to 1.1 in Leicester's favour. And then as soon as United took the lead, it just they just absolutely capitulated Leicester. I'm not sure what happened. Um, to the point where they ended up allowing over four expected goals, which is is, is not ideal. It's kind of something we... We've, we, would expect to see from this Leicester team, to be fair. This season, they've been really bad at the back. So it wasn't a massive surprise to see that kind of figure put up. Um, and yeah, that, that to me spells quite a lot of trouble for them this weekend because, yeah, they they, they are a chance galore kind of team at both ends. They're very easy to play through, which is a massive issue. Um, and, you know, the last four league matches, over three and a half goals in all of them. Um, an average of 3.8 expected goals per game as well. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're generally, they're entertaining to watch, mainly because they can't defend, but they have that skin attack. They, they, they've got the capabilities. And as you said, with Arsenal looking a little bit suspect at the back of late. So, for example, since the restart, um, Arsenal have averaged 2.1 expected goals for per game, which is really good. But 1.47 expected goals against per game. Now that that's up around 0.5, 0.6 a game on what we saw pre World Cup. So we are starting to see chances at both ends become a little bit more of the norm for um, this Arsenal team. I, I personally, 
think Arsenal will win this running away. I think it could be a, a comfortable kind of 3-1, 4-2 kind of game. Um, the overs was was going to be my initial play, and I, I probably will make it a full play over 2.5 goals. Uh, it's at minus 138. I think it should be close to minus 150, personally. Um, the way in which Leicester are now playing, they've got the, some players back fit. You know, Tete looks lively down the right-hand side. Madison's back in the team. Um, and Arsenal have shown a bit of vulnerabilities, especially if Partey's not in there. But at the other end, they just they just all over the place, Leicester. And I think Arsenal could score two or three, maybe even four goals here. Um, so, yeah, I, I think overs is a bet at minus 138. And, and then I'll probably have a small play on Arsenal to win and over two and a half goals at plus 155. Um, like I said, I fully expect Arsenal to, to score at least twice, um, in which case the 2-1 would see this bet win. But, you know, the way in which, as I said, the Leicester have, have played, have defended all season long, is you know massive massive concerns. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it could be a similar scoreline to what we saw last week for Arsenal. I'm staying away from this game completely because I think Leicester City can come away with something here, but I'm not confident enough to make a bet. And quite frankly, the markets aren't showing me anything that's providing me you know potential value or the requisite juice that were required to make that bet. I got burned last weekend uh, betting Villa. Um, that was on the on, on the on the spread. I know, but it's left a sour taste. And I, I know, yeah. I know what happened. Two goals beyond the ninety, but it it, it was difficult. It, for was, me. was a handicap? Was it plus one and a half? It was, plus, it was one, plus one. I, plus, plus one. one. So it, it went from a push to a loss with Emmy Martinez trying to play super striker uh, at the end of that game. <laughs> I will say this: like Leicester City is a tough team. Um to use underlying data from the rest of the season because they had like six and seven defenders hurt for the majority of the year. And what they've done at the King Power is ultimately they've been competitive. In their last two feature games against teams that I consider to be very good teams, they beat Spurs and they drew Brighton. Also, Man City went to the King Power earlier this year. They played into a 1-0 win. City won that game 1-0. Same thing with Manchester United, 1-0. Both those games, I was on the over. You know how much I like betting Leicester City on the over. They beat tough against the good teams at the King Power. Arsenal's obviously one of those. So it's just created this little bit of hesitation. I, I was with you because the first thing I looked was Arsenal went into the over. That, that was where my instinct went. But just looking at what Leicester City are, I think I, I watched the game against United. I don't think that they were as bad as the, the, the scoreline actually showed. And United's home form is sensational right now. So I'm just going to stay away from this game entirely. I'm going to sit back and watch. I, I hope for goals, but some of the, the one nils against the Manchester sides, like Spurs only scoring once against Leicester City. It's just causing me to pause and hesitate a little bit. Might be foolish in the end because, you know, I like a Leicester City overplay, but I'm just going to stay away from this one. Yeah, I, I think this Leicester team are the streakiest team in the league in the sense of they started the season and they couldn't defend. Yeah. So their, their XGA was like this. And then mid-season, they started looking like a team that could defend. And now they look like the team can't defend. And this is the same with their attack. Their attack went the same way. So they, they started off scoring loads of goals and then it's dropped off and now they're back yeah. again. It's really weird. Um, and, and obviously the totals have been the same. So they went through a really weird spell in the middle of the season where it was unders every week. And now we seem to be back to the over three and a half like we were at the start of the season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to ride the trend. Um, I know what you're saying about Brighton and Spurs. I just think this Arsenal team are a better attacking team than both of them. Um, and wow, I think really? They'll, they'll be able to... Yeah, yeah, they are. 
They definitely are. Um, they've got a lot more going for them uh, in attacking areas. They're fully fit. They don't have an FA Cup tie to look forward to either in midweek to potentially look, you know, have some uh, a look ahead yeah. game. Leicester. That's why I mentioned the FA Cup game for Leicester yeah. because Arsenal yeah, doesn't have one. So, so yeah, yeah, Leicester. They're not going down. They've won the FA Cup recently, so they know what it takes to get there. Uh, they know how big an occasion it is. So I wonder if they'll have one eye on that potentially, uh, especially as there's a favourable tie against Blackburn. So. You know, maybe that plays into a little bit. Uh, let's move things forward. Uh, another big game this weekend, especially for the away side, to show some metal after embarrassment in the Champions League on Tuesday. It's 12th place Palace against 8th place Liverpool, where all of those good vibes around Liverpool, back-to-back Premier League wins have just gone poof up in smoke let's start with palace however back-to-back 1-1 draws first against brighton then against brentford last weekend two good teams Uh, they edged the xg battle in that game as well uh palace have drawn four of their last five games it's the eighth draw of the season overall the third most in the league they're not draw palace like draw castle but uh they're moving in that direction no wins in their last eight no clean sheet in their last three they've got under the two and a half goal total of five of six both teams to score however has played in four of five four 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 at home on the season 12 and 17 uh in terms of the goals scored and against did the worst home expected goal differential of negative 7.2 in 12 games played and wilfred zaha remains out Liverpool, like I said, good vibes. Back-to-back 2-0 wins at Newcastle. Sure, Nick Pope got sent off in their in their game, but they scored two goals before that. Um, and then all of a sudden, bam, they get smashed 5-2 to Real Madrid in the Champions League on Tuesday, although they won the XG battle in that game. Um, but it raises a lot of question marks about what this team uh, is all about, especially from a defensive perspective. Liverpool have, however, been first to score in four of their last five games. They've lost four of their last six away games in all competitions. Three, two, and six away in the Premier League, 13 goals scored, and 19 against. They actually have a negative expected goal differential, according to InfoGoal, at minus 1.3. Head-to-head, they played to a 1-1 draw uh, in the second game of the season. Darwin Nunez was sent off in that game at Anfield. Field. Guess who scored in that game? Zaha and Diaz. Neither of these players are going to be available in this game, but the XG was big in that game 2.36 to 1.62. Liverpool, no losses in 13 to Crystal Palace. I love this statistic. Palace haven't picked up a clean sheet against Liverpool in their last 20 2 0 meetings. Liverpool will be first to score in seven of eight, first half winner in six of seven. So, what's the play here? Because Liverpool can score goals for fun. And they ship them as well, but they're playing against a team who simply can't score. So where's the lean? What's the mindset heading into this game? Um, probably stay away <laughs> is the mindset. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, like you said, it, there's, there's so many question marks about both uh, that kind of contradict each other. So yeah, Liverpool away from home would have, have allowed over two expected goals against per game, but Crystal Palace at home since the World Cup of average just 0.6 expected goals per game, which is just ridiculously low. So you've got a team that can't create versus a team that can't defend. Um, and yeah, same at the other end. I guess that's probably where... I, I'm so close to pulling the trigger on Liverpool at this price. I really am, because Crystal Palace's data is just simply shocking since the restart. Um, defensively, they look all over the place as well. 1.84 expected goals against per game. 
Liverpool, as you said, they're creating an abundance of chances over two expected goals for per game. It's just Crystal Palace have burned me a few times now. Liverpool have burned me a few times now. So I'm I'm actually going to leave this alone. I'm going to leave it alone. Um, the data is telling me that that Liverpool to win is probably a bet. That Crystal Palace have got this weird way recently of just kind of defying the data a little bit. You look at the recent games at home in particular. Man United, Newcastle and Brighton, three teams in the top seven and, and they've held them to draws despite losing the XG battle quite convincingly on all occasions. Um, and, you know, if they can do that against those good teams and to be fair, the, the, there was only Brighton that really blew them away from a chance perspective. Liverpool should get more opportunities here, but this might be the game that, that kickstarts Crystal Palace's attack because Liverpool simply can't defend. So, yeah, it, my lean is to Liverpool to win but I'm not. I'm going to stay clear. I'm not going to have a bet in this. We um, we should also mention that after the loss to Real Madrid, the lines actually become shorter uh, for Liverpool to win. Does that surprise you? Um, it doesn't. It doesn't because you know it was another bad performance where they looked defensively exposed. So you would expect to do it the other way, but then again, it's kind of like a right. They're going to have to perform in this game. They're going to have the bookies are suggesting that they need to have a bounce back. But you know, need and want don't result in actual results do they that's kind of you know you've got to go out and earn it and ultimately they haven't earned it so yeah the shortening of the price kind of is another reason that, that I was happy to just kind of leave it alone um, mm. the price I was going to back them at is no longer there so yeah it is such a, a strange game this it, you could see it being 2-2 you could see it being 0-0 you could see a 2-0 Palace win you could see a 2-0 Liverpool win that yeah, it's definitely one to kind of swerve unless you have a really firm opinion. I um, I have no bet for this podcast as well at the time of recording, but I might have a bet closer to kickoff. I need to see what this line presents because it continues to move in the direction of Liverpool. I think you can make the argument that playing Palace at home on the spread, um, you can make that argument and I get it. That wouldn't be my preferred play. I want to throw one out to you that I'm going to keep an eye on to see if there's any movement. Um, both teams to score. Yes. At minus 123. It's a little short for me. I do like both teams to score in this game. You know, say what you will. Palace don't create chances, but whether it's Aze, Mateta, Olise, like they have players that can threaten a very vulnerable and mistake ridden um, Liverpool back line. So I would like to make a play, but I don't think that minus 123, I, I don't think that that's a number that I can get behind right now. W- what's your take on that? Yeah, that that was going to be another one that crossed my mind. Um, the BT, just simply because Liverpool's defensive numbers are shocking. You'd expect them to concede, but yeah, I mean, the XG the in the first game was a combined four in the in the, in the, mm. in the first meeting between. I know that Nunez was sent off and things were affected by that. But if you remember that game early in the season, there were chances both ways. Um, yeah, so yeah. And, th- but no, no Zahar, which is a blow for those fast breaks. But Of, of course. Um, yeah, that, that again, it, it crossed my mind. Um, but just Liverpool, two clean sheets on the bounce. I know they were fortunate against Newcastle, but that ultimately comes down to them having the best goalkeeper in the net. Um, in the Premier League. And he had a bit of a, a stinker on Tuesday, passing it into Vinicius, but generally he's been the best performing goalkeeper based on post-shot XG. So, um, yeah, I, again, it, it's one of those where you could make a really good argument either way, um, which usually to me suggests walk away. Yeah, 
I can't believe it. Back-to-back games, no play for me. Uh, no play for you in that game. It's tempting. Keep an eye on that lineup pinnacle and see where things end up. But uh, as of right now, nada, nothing, zilch. Can't say that about Liverpool and their goals conceded, however. But no, nothing in terms of for us. Uh, let's go to the final uh, feature match of the weekend. And it's going to be played on Sunday. Uh, should be a good one. Fourth place Spurs. Taking on 10th place, Chelsea. Spurs coming off a 2-0 victory over West Ham. uh, Edged in terms of the XG in that game, 1.4 to 0.43. Son came off the bench to score. Um, That seems to be something that we might see a little bit more of. He was more effective. And he came off the bench early in the season to score a hat trick as well. And scoring in this game, it looked good on him. And he was much more lively. It was effective coming off the bench. Something to keep an eye on heading into this weekend. Spurs have been first to score in six of seven. Back-to-back home wins for Spurs after back-to-back away losses. They are 8-0-4 at home. 24 goals scored and 15 against. Chelsea, where do we start? Um, how about not scoring? Uh, 1-0 loss to Southampton, although they created more. They had an XG of two in that game, according to Info Goal. No wins in five, no clean sheet in three, under two and a half goals is played in six of six. Just two wins in 11 games in all competitions since the restart and make that one win in their last 10 games. One goal scored in their last five games overall. And the last game that they scored two goals in was the first game after the restart in a 2-0 victory over Bournemouth. However, they do have 8.5 combined XG over the course of their last five games and just one goal to show for it. Three, four, and five overall away from home. 10 goals scored, 15 conceded. Their last Premier League away win. When did it come, Jake? Back on October 16th against Aston Villa. Can't believe it. Chelsea, seven games away without a win. Azpilicueta, concussion he's likely out some good news probably not for this weekend however Angolo Conte is back in training he can't score goals but a top top player in his own right had to had these two sides played to a 2-2 draw earlier this season big xg ball going both ways in both in, in that game 1.71 to 1.58 Chelsea haven't lost to Spurs in eight Spurs haven't had a clean sheet against Chelsea in seven and Chelsea have been first to score in their last seven. All right, here we go. I actually do have a play in this game, but I'll give the floor to you, Jake Osgathorpe, first. Spurs, Chelsea, a lot of the line. Spurs are in the back of the top four. Chelsea, um, how much longer can Graham Potter last with his team playing like this? Uh, there's dissension in the ranks, seemingly. So where do things end up for a big game on Super Sunday this weekend? Um. Yeah, he is a man under pressure. Um, it's a big game as well in terms of any kind of top four aspirations with Tottenham currently sat fourth um, and Chelsea down in 10th, 11 points behind. So you would think if Spurs win this game and it goes to 14, that is too much of a bridge to gap. Um, yeah, I've got a play that I really like in this and I presume you've probably got similar um, and that is under two and a half goals, which just looks too big at minus 115. I hope you're laughing because we're on the same. Uh, yes, I do. I actually have two plays. I undersold myself. I have two plays and that's one of them. So yes, yeah. of course. It's, how do you, how can you play an over when it comes to, to Chelsea? Like you just, yeah. I, I think I said that last week. I think I said it the week before. I think I said it the week before that. So. Well, I, and you, and and you before know, that. Chelsea, Chelsea are half of the puzzle. 
but so are Spurs. Like Spurs yeah. are a team that are loving unders right now. I know they had the you know the, the occasional weird game like the Leicester one, but generally, you know, at home, since the restart, unders two and a half landed in all four of the home matches. Um, and yeah, their, their attacking process has, as I've said recently, fallen off a cliff. 1.15 expected goals four per game since that restart. Um, one four drawn, one lost four in the league. So it's a really poor record. And then Chelsea just really struggling to create to, to score six goals in nine. Um, their XG numbers have been better. 1.6 expected goals four per game across those nine matches. Um, but it's at the back where they are actually really good. Uh, 0.95 expected goals against per game. So I think that matchup between Tottenham's attack and Chelsea's defence is definitely something that Chelsea's defence will win, um, which ultimately means Spurs maybe scoring once or or not at all. And then, yeah, can Chelsea actually convert a few chances, which is the big question. Um, yeah, it, it it almost seems like it's too good to be true, that number on the unders. Um, that, you know, that minus 115 looks really big. Uh, eight of nine Chelsea matches since the restart have gone under two and a half goals. So you've got a decent sized sample there of, of Chelsea just consistently not scoring A and also not conceding. Um, so, yeah, they, they, it was just one of those bets that just jumps off the page and slaps you in the face. Um, so, yeah, that that I'm pretty sure you've got the same kind of reasoning. I'd be interested to hear what your second bet is. Yeah, exact same reasoning under two and a half at minus 115. When I look at this game in terms of who the better side is and what the result may be, flip a coin. Like, there, there, I don't think that there's much at all between these two teams. So when I see a plus number on a handicap or a draw no bet on nil, then that's screaming for me to play it because if it ends in a draw, then you get your money back. Chelsea, draw no bet or a nil uh, on, on, on the spread at plus 109. Like, never mind Spurs at plus 160 or, or Chelsea, I believe, is at plus 192. Plus 109 is a good number. Like, Chelsea can win this game outright. I wouldn't be surprised. They're not that far off it. Their processes have been much better, but they simply just can't score goals, you know? In a game like this against Spurs with a backup goalkeeper, a weakened midfield, what do I expect from Spurs? Like, it was feeble by West Ham last week. Like, Spurs didn't win that game. I thought that West Ham lost that game. I think Chelsea, based upon what's going on right now, they have to be aggressive. They have to come out and try to force the issue. And man for man, they're they're every bit as good as, as Spurs. Yes, they don't have Harry Kane leading the attack and, you know, a player like that is clearly a difference maker. Put Kane on Chelsea, and then we might be telling it a little bit of a different story here. But um, I, I, I love the, the the play. Chelsea, draw no bet at plus 109. So I actually have two bets for this game. Yeah, um, that definitely is the way I'd be siding as well um, in terms of that kind of um, angle. Yeah, if, if if you let's put it this way, if you gave me Spurs at a draw no bet at plus one hundred nine, I take that too. Like yeah. I, I I would, but Spurs is minus one eighteen. You give yeah. me a plus number, like it is just telling me that you know th- that's the smart way to play this. Yeah, we we are nearly at a pick'em. In fairness, looking at yes. these prices, um, one sixty plus one sixty for a Spurs win, plus one ninety three. So we're not far away. Um, it's a really difficult one because Chelsea's data is suggesting that they are on the brink of taking off and really 
you know, looking like a decent team and picking up wins consi- consistently. And Spurs are dated going the opposite way. Like they they are looking more and more like a mid-table team. I know they picked up a couple of wins recently, but they they're not performing anywhere near the levels they were at the start of the season. Um, and if if the data is correct, and if, and if that's something that you know actually plays out as we would expect, then the Chelsea draw no bet is a massive price because they are performing like the better team right now. Um, I know they've had a, a slightly softer schedule of late, but what they've been doing in terms of the chance creation and the chance limitation has been really pro- really positive. Um, and the, the same can't be said for Spurs. So I definitely would be leaning more towards the Chelsea. I just wanted a little bit more of a price. I know you. I know you think that, you know the, the draw no bet plus one hundred nine is is, an, is a decent play. I'd have loved to have seen plus half a goal. You know what is it now? Minus one seventy six. I think that should be closer to minus one fifty. Personally, um, I, I think that there may be a slight overreaction to Spurs. Um, you know that that price of plus one sixty seems seems quite big for Spurs. So I'm I'm definitely fenced it in when it comes to the result because I can make again make an argument for both. I've not got a massive, massive opinion, massive feel for who's going to actually come out on top. I think the two teams that are very unpredictable right now in terms of um, you know the data saying one thing and they're, and they're performing in a different way. So the only confident pick I have is that I think it's going to be quite a tight game with a few chances at either end because you know it's quite a big game for both. So yeah. generally, when it's a big game for both, it kind of Yes, most of the time we see it knows that you know cave in on itself and be a bit of more of a, a battle rather than an end-to-end thriller, especially with these two coaches in charge. Go on, Chelsea. I <laughs> I like both bets in this. I think one of those two will be my best bet of the weekend. Before we head into rapid fire, sixth place Fulham against fifteenth place Wolves. Uh, Fulham coming off a, a big win at Brighton. I mean. They got crushed. They only had a 0.29 XG in that game, and Solomon scored in the 88th minute. Wolves lost at home, a stinker 1-0 to Bournemouth. Do you have any play in this game? Yeah, I'm I'm taking the unders again. Um, I think I did it in Wolves' game last uh, last week. It was very, very easy, actually. <laughs> 1-0 is kind of a dream, you know. It was, uh, um, either way, it was kind of felt like a first goal was going to win that match. Um, and yeah, Fulham have become the unders kings in the last six matches um, or seven matches. Six of the last seven. Telling me, they're unders. killing me. Yeah. Um, and seven of the last nine have seen both of them score no as well, if you want that as an angle. Um, it's no surprise. You look at the underlying data, average just, well, under one expected goal four per game across that run. So they've not been creating the chances at the same rate. Wolves, also have a creative issue. Um, so if you take their matches against the rest, so non-big six teams, they've averaged 1.14 expected goals for per game. Uh, defensively, they look pretty sharp, though, uh, pretty good against uh, those teams, just 1.15 expected goals against per game. So you can just tell by those two figures that Wolves are very minimal when it comes to creation and um, concession of chances. It's the kind of, kind of the way which they want to play. They want to make it like a very cagey game where one moment of brilliance can can be the difference um yeah fine margin football as we like to call it uh so yeah the unders looks a great bet to me you get minus 125 well, i'd probably make it minus 135 personally uh spite bet time i've been waiting for this one because <laughs> no i'm bitter i'm it's a spite bet i'm gonna hate making this bet and when it cashes i'm gonna celebrate like it's the best bet i've ever made uh, <laughs> full of them gone under two and a half and six of seven 
Mitrovic might be out. Wolves have just scored eight goals away from home. Head to head, they've gone under the two and a half goal total when Fulham Wolves play in their last seven games. They played to a nil-nil, a goalless draw earlier this season. Forget it all. Damn you numbers over two and a half at plus 112. Let's lock it in. It's a spite bet. It's like going to be the opposite. So the data is all telling you to go with the Jake Osgathorpe under. I'm saying, screw you. Taking the over here at plus 112. Because one of these, Fulham were my sweetheart. I was just over, 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 over. And out of spite, I'm betting them over yet again this week. Stubborn. I really hope you're wrong. I do not recommend this play, by the way. That's why I'm calling it a spite bet. So, Yeah, I really hope you're wrong, obviously, because I want the unders to win. I think it's a great bet. But also, I won't be watching this game. I'm actually going to be out. So... Don't Friday night football. Come back and it'd be like a three-two thriller that I've missed. So Friday night yeah. party. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case. I don't think Wolves do a lot of partying, to be honest. It's Friday night London is good, no? Yeah, good time. Got the cottage. Yeah, yeah. yeah, after after the match, need maybe some, need some goals though. Okay, sixteenth <laughs> uh, place Everton and eleventh place Aston Villa. Uh, what do you make of this one? I mean. Everton subscribed to the Daichian theory, win one nil at home. And Villa, I mean, 11 goals conceded in their last three games. Uh, the proverbial something needs to give game. So what's going to give in this game? It's going to be a repeat of what we've seen for Everton. That's how I'm going to go. Uh, I, I'm really surprised. I did my notes yesterday for this game. Um, an Everton win was plus 150 and it's now plus, plus 159. So the market yeah. is moving against them, which I like because I think there's even more juice in that Everton price. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm a, obviously I'm a big fan of, of Dyche, big Dyche. Um, the, the home wins two from two, but they've also been really impressive displays from the perspective of they've created a lot of good chances and they've yet to concede an XG total of more than 0.8. So it's still a small sample size, but it's impressive nonetheless. And even more, which is, a, I think it's a huge bonus, is that they, they've they looked really strong from set pieces. And that's kind of an area where Villa have shown a real vulnerability of late. Um, but they've been battered recently. They've conceded 11 in the last three. Granted, they've played City and Arsenal last two. Um, but since Emery took charge, they've averaged just 1.05 expected goals four per game, which is actually the second worst attacking process in the division. So he has not got them going in attack whatsoever. Um, and if you exclude the last two matches, which obviously were hammerings, both City and Arsenal racked up over three expected goals. So just for the, the sake of the sample, I'm sweeping them away. They're, they're shipping 1.45 expected goals against per game under Emery. So that's excluding those two three expected goal matches, which obviously would bump that right up. Um, as I've said, they're very vulnerable from set pieces. Villa, they've, they've allowed 0.7 XG, 0.9 XG, 0.2 XG, 0.6 XG, and 0.3 XG across the last six matches from set pieces alone. Um, and then you've got an Everton team that racked up 1.15 XG from set pieces in the last home match against Leeds. Um, 0.14 against Liverpool. Obviously, that was the Tarkovsky header there at the post. 0.55 against Arsenal. So they're averaging around 0.6 XG from set pieces. I think this game could be defined by a set piece, is what I'm saying. Well, Villa have I mean, an issue. Everton have a, a real strength there. So, what's your Everton bet? Everton will keep them out. My bet is Everton to win as my main bet, plus 159. I think that should be a little bit shorter. I don't rate this Villa team as highly as what the market does. Um, and yeah, I've got a little side bet as well. If you can get Tarkovsky to score any time, I think he looks a really good bet. 
Um, we're, over here, we're getting him at around plus 1,300, plus 1,400, depending where you shot. Uh, he obviously scored He scored against Arsenal. He hit the post against Liverpool. He had two shots from set pieces, one on target against Leeds. So he is the target from set pieces. Um, and yeah, 46% of Everton's XGs come from set pieces since Dyche took over. So nearly half of their total XG is coming from dead ball situations. And Tarkovsky's averaging 0.26 expected goals per 95 minutes under Dyche, which is kind of the level we've seen from you know, wingers like that, you know, we see wingers that average less than that. Um, so yeah, he's a massive threat. Uh, and I just thought that price looked a little bit big. So when the line goes up on Pinnacle, definitely be having a look at that. Um, given that we, it looks like we've got strength against the weakness. We, we're looking at this in a completely different way, though. Um, you're going, I'm going to go from my spite bet to my sensible bet. Ooh. Okay, how many set pieces do you think that Everton's going to get in this game? Calvert Lewin oh, was loads. out last game. Uh, Onana is dealing with a knock. I don't even know if he's going to be fully fit. Take him out of the midfield. Good luck. Villa is the better side, and you're giving me them with the, on the handicap at a plus number again. Villa, draw no bet, plus 113. Let's go. Like, Villa's, gonna bet, Villa's better than they've shown. They don't lose. They haven't lost to Everton their last seven games. Um, Daesh hasn't been in charge for any of them seven, though. I, I understand. And Unai Emery hasn't been in charge for any of the seven. And they beat Everton already 2-1 earlier this season. So I think it's going to be low scoring. I think there might just be a goal here. Like, again, th- this game has draw written all over it. You're going to give me the better team that needs to bounce back after three pathetic performances to come out, and all they need to do is score a goal against Everton and then defend. <laughs> like I, I, I don't know. Villa draw no bet plus one thirteen. I, I love bets like this. The better team getting plus money, and you have the safety net of getting your money back if it's a draw. It's a push. Uh, no brainer for me. So let's roll with Villa yeah, I, um... in that game. I don't know if I agree with you saying that they're, I mean, they probably are the marginally better team, but I don't think it's that big a difference between them. Okay. Um, I really don't. I, I I think that the, the we saw at the back end of last season under Frank Lampard that at Goodison Park, Everton can be horrendous to play against because it's such a, like, the fans are on top of you. It's a small But they haven't been this year. But the two, two, well, one, they, they have the These last two, like they've been proper vintage Everton in your face, high pressing because, you know, I think that's why they were so exposed at Anfield is because the pitch was so much bigger and the Goodison Park pitch, it feels smaller. So there's less, when you're doing your pressing, you get into your shape, you've actually got less space to cover. I think that's a massive thing that people have to take into account. And I think, well, we'll see Everton pick up a lot of points at home from now to the end of the season, just like they did last season. I mean, they beat Leeds 1-0. They beat like, Arsenal, the I, league leaders. I know. Convincingly Leeds. as well. It was an anomaly. It was the exception like, if, if, to if the this, rule. If this so. game was at Villa Park, I would be definitely... like I, re- I reckon you get Villa maybe plus 125, and I'd probably be looking at Villa. Because I think Everton will come unstuck away from home. Like I said, because the spaces between the players will become too big when they're trying to keep that compact formation. Um, but at home, I think they're a team that we, this kind of price, you won't get it very often I, from now to the end of the season. Because Villa, in my opinion, are a bottom half team. And Everton, in my opinion, are a better than relegation team. They, they, they're a bottom half team as well. So you're getting at home, you'd expect, you know, with the home field advantage, I'd expect Everton to be closer to maybe plus 140, which would suggest that the, Still be an outsider at a neutral venue, but not by as much as what this is showing here. 
Uh, somehow with less games, we've still gone very long on this podcast. So you <laughs> just speed things up. Let's go to the final Premier League game of the weekend. 17th place Bournemouth against second place Manchester City. I have no bet in this game. No uh, bet. Move on to the next and one. And I'm not doing yeah. it for time purposes. Well, the, the, the next one's the Carabao Cup final. Well, it's also just a reminder before this podcast, we record this podcast, City plays Leipzig on Wednesday. De Bruyne is sick. Laporte's sick. Uh, We'll see. I, I just there was no market in this game that that caught my eye, so it's it's a hard pass for me. It's the first trophy being awarded of the season. It's Carabao Cup final. It goes Sunday. Manchester United and Newcastle. I mean, not much would separate these sides. It was going to be a competitive game. Then all of a sudden, Nick Pope goes and gets himself suspended for this game, and then you have Loris Carius who's potentially going to be starting this game. It hasn't been confirmed. It could be Gillespie, who's a goalkeeper as well, with Dubravka cup tied because he was with United, played in this competition early, earlier in the season. Um, what do you make of this final? Who should be favored? And is there a market that's caught your eye? Um, no, no markets really. Um, the bet would be the unders for me at minus 119. I think you know, cup finals tend to be quite tight. Um, United will be at full, full strength, you'd hope, if no one picks up any injuries in midweek. Casemiro's back from his suspension, so he'll be fit to play. Um, and then, yeah, the, the only wild card is that Carius could be in the net for Newcastle. And, you know, he's, he's to put it bluntly, he's just not very good. Um, he's, yeah, a massive downgrade on what we've seen from Nick Pope. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the only caveat for me in taking the unders. We know Newcastle generally are a really strong defensive team. They also have potentially a few injuries as well. Um, I'm not sure if Gimaresh is back for this. Um, I'm not sure if his suspension has finished because uh, he was in a similar boat to Casemiro in the sense that he got sent off around the same time. So that that's a, something really big to look to kind of look for if you can before taking a look at this because I will he let is you know in two. Player. Keep on speaking, and I will let you know in two seconds. <laughs> He's a really important player. We've seen the kind of process and results have really tailed off since he got suspended um yeah no he he'll be back for this he'll be back he got he got sent off in the second leg against Southampton they've played West Ham Bournemouth and Liverpool so he should be back for this which yeah, is a he's huge back boost just weekend. um yeah. yeah and then it's just a case of his Willock back and then they have a full complement uh Callum Wilson was a doubt as well last week so again it'd be interesting to see if he's back but it's really good to see two teams, um, two good teams, two top four contenders, fully fit, going at it. Um, either way, I, I don't think there's much between them, and I can't see either team well, taking early risks. So I'd be well, starting he, the unders, but here, no here's the advantage for Newcastle: United plays Barcelona on Thursday night in Europa League. Like the, the games have come thick and fast for, for Manchester United. We'll see if that's a disadvantage. Actually, Eric Tenag has used it as an advantage, having consistency in his team and being able to rotate around the edges, like. Not overexposing Varane. Casemiro was out through suspension, so he kind of did it to himself. Lissandro Martinez, like important players in this team are being rotated appropriately. Really, it's Bruno Fernandes who just stays in and plays every game. Everyone else is seemingly being rotated. So the play that I like is the under two and a half goals. I know it's at minus 119. It comes with that contingency about Carius, but um, generally a goalkeeper you know, I don't care how poor he is. Is not going to result in a team being, you know, full goal worse than what they should be or anything like that um, in, in terms of their overall play? I just look at the models. Newcastle goes to Old Trafford. 
play to a goalless draw. They go to Arsenal, play to a goalless draw. This team has had more draws than anyone else in the league, and they play these close, tight, cagey games. And that's how I see this playing out, especially it being magnified with it being a cup final. So could go 1-0 either way, could go to extra time. But for me, the smartest bet, the, the best play in this game is the under. Fully agree, yeah. Nice way so, to wrap up the podcast with a bit of agreement, eh? And that's it. Um, we'll deal with the futures numbers. We'll deal with some of the individual player numbers as well on next week's podcast when we don't run a little bit heavy. But for all of those future numbers, I go to pinnacle.com. Uh, the best odds are provided. My best bet of the weekend, it's 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 the Spurs Chelsea under. Um, with a side order of Chelsea, draw no bet at plus 109. Uh, what's your best bet of the weekend? Uh, I don't want to do this, but it's the under in Chelsea Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it worked out for us last time, did it? It, it but... didn't. No, we, we've done two back to back. We had the Everton handicap and then we had Brentford to win. So, you want uh, me to pick something else for fun? No, no, no. Look, it, look, we're both confident on this bet, so we'll go with it. You know, we're both confident on Brentford bet, and they probably would have won that game 60% of the time. So, I should have just said, weeks. I should have just said Fulham. Wolves over just for the shock and awe of it. So <laughs> I can't believe we've not got an official head to head either. Because I can't, I can't because it's a spite bet. It's not like a, it, it's real money. I am wagering on this, but my confidence, it, it's going against the numbers. It's going against the algorithm. It's going against everything. But I just feel that this game is going to be over. Uh, it has to. Come on, Fulham. Come on, Wolves. Um, Premier League's predictions articles are up at Pinnacle.com. Also, keep it locked at Pinnacle on Twitter, as well as YouTube and all of your uh, social channels. Uh, upcoming podcasts include Advantage Betters, Indian Wells Preview, uh, Love Me Some Tennis this time of year, and the return of the Champions League betting blueprint in March as well. Uh, at Gareth Wheeler, at Jake Oz on, on Twitter. And odds are correct at the time of recording. Please gamble responsibly. Top work again this week. We'll do it all again next week with a schedule with FA Cup. It's going to be a little bit all over the board. That's why you tune into podcasts like this. On behalf of Jake, I am Wheels. This has been EPL Insights with data provided by InfoGoal. <laughs>